السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم الحمد للہ رب العالمین والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكریم وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد فقد قال الله تعالى في القرآن المجيد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ثم أفيضوا من حيث أفاض الناس واستغفروا الله إن الله غفور رحيم صدق الله العظيم So inshallah, the brothers, they can come closer and uh, fill up the gaps so that uh, it's easier for everyone to be closer, inshallah. قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ما من أيام أحب إلى الله أن يتعبد له فيها من عشيز الحجة يعدل صيام كل يوم منها بصيام سنة وقيام كل ليلة منها بقيام ليلة القدر أو كما قال عليه الصلاة والسلام So for us, number one We say Alhamdulillah And we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for His Everlasting and non-ending bounties and blessings that He continues to shower on us And from these Bounties that we see in front of us, we see that the month of Dhul Hijjah has dawned upon us, as we have heard in the uh, announcement. And we know that the Sunnah of Rasulullah is, as upon sighting the moon, the new moon of the new month, we find that Rasulullah makes a dua. And that dua is, Allahumma, Allahumma, <coughs> I'm forgetting Allahumma Ahillahu alina bil yumni wal iman Was salamati wal islam Wat tawfiqi bima tuhibhu wa tarda Rabbi wa rabbuka Allah We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And accept that dua from us As uh, we now are in the month of Zul For us as Muslims We look at every opportunity to Better ourselves And get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this month of Zul Hijjah is exactly that chance and opportunity for us. The dunya and the nature of the, the world is that it gets us busy and engaged in many different tasks. And when we get busy, we do not find that opportunity or that chance to worship Allah as much. But in the words of Rasulullah and the encouragement that he continues to give us, we find that he says, "Ma min ayyamin ahabu ilallah." There are no days more beloved to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that an yuta'abbad lahu. Here is the word yuta'abbad, and we know that the three uh, root letters here are abada, which means to worship or he worshipped. And then when we look at the the scale of this, we find that it's on the sila of tafa'ul. And when we see that for the students, this, is, this information is mainly for the students here, um, we see that there's some effort, some struggle, like tafa'ul, meaning that there's a weight, tahammul, that, that is engaged. Why? The question comes, why in this hadith is it mentioned with this type of words? So because when we get so busy and engaged in the worldly affairs and these matters, it becomes a little bit more difficult on us to leave that immediately uh, into this new month. Because what Zul Qa'da is, Qa'da is sitting, right? We're idle, we're busy and engaged in our actions, in our, in our affairs, in you know, our business dealings. But now all of a sudden, Zul Hijjah comes up. The month that we're going to see, the month that is encompassed with sacrifice, that entails a lot of sacrifice from you and I. So when we're looking at this situation where it's yuta'abbad, it's going to be ibadah that's going to be very difficult on us, but it's going to hold a lot of weight. So one thing to start off for all of us to think about is that today the Muslim ummah, we really trivialize and ignore these 10 days. And something 
that we should take home from today that in the words of Imam Ghazali rahmatullah alayhi that knowledge is not something of benefit unless there is implementation so we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allahumma inna nas'aluka ilman nafi'a wa na'udhu bika min ilmin la yanfa' Oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we ask of you we ask from you to, that you give us beneficial knowledge and not harmful knowledge and then what is this beneficial knowledge ultimately is that that ends up in amal in action so now to begin with the slides <clears throat> and to begin with the presentation the season of hajj which is the season of sacrifice as you see here on the plains of arafah the picture to the left that picture symbolizes our Muslim brothers and sisters what they will be going through for the next 10 days roughly that spiritual upliftment and for us here that same feeling and the same enthusiasm should be ingrained within us brothers and sisters that when we see these months of Zul Hijjah we shouldn't just think that is for the Hujjaj but even us, even us as we are going to see in the slides that is something for us as well and now to the next slide Surah Al-Fajr Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Wal Fajri wa Layalin Ashr Wal Shafi wal Watri wal Layli Iza Yasr Here Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala is taking oath and qasam taking oath as we see in the slides here by the 10 nights Here Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala refers to the first 10 nights of Dhul Hijjah as substantiated by the hadith the Hadrat Jabir uh, narrates from Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and Hadrat Abdullah bin Abbas and Hadrat Abdullah bin Zubair have also forwarded this interpretation. So, amongst the Mufassirun, the scholars of Tafsir, there is a understanding that this these ayahs walayalin ash, this um, as we know is nakira, meaning that there is an option or a possibility of interpretation here, and some scholars have said. Walayalin Ashar is referring to the last 10 nights of Ramadan but majority are giving the opinion that it's referring to these 10 days which are the 10 uh, days of Zul Hijjah that we are in now but before that there's a concept that I want to draw attention to and that is in the words of Wal Fajr when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala anytime he is, an oath is taken in the Quran it is to grab the attention of those listening to or reading the Quran the audience and this we see in the situation of wal asr. Similarly, we see that wow, which is known as the wow of qasam, the oath. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes oaths on those things that are very huge and immense. Why? Secondly, the oath is to, take, uh, to remind us and to reflect on the thing Allah is taking the oath on. So that we are prepared to take lesson on what is in the remainder of that surah to follow. But when we see like situation for wal asr, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is swearing by the time and here's wal fajr by the dawn the dawn is understood as the uh, you know the light coming in now but what is it doing it's removing the darkness and also another uh, concept of fajr is that there is life coming out of death and what do we see what do we see in the incident of uh, is, uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam and Ismail alayhi salam alayhim salam what do we see? we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the sacrifice and through the struggle and through the sincerity of Ibrahim alayhi salam ultimately then there is life because the life of, uh, of Ismail alayhi salam was saved but here we can draw a correlation وَالْفَجْرِ وَلَيَالٍ عَشْرِ not only is there life in, um, uh, in the situation of Ismail salam, but we also see life for the hujjaj. What do I mean by that? The promise is there that when there is a hajj mabrur, an accepted hajj for those people who give up, they're giving up everything and now they're standing on the plains of Arafah and their duas are being accepted and, and the conclusion of their hajj is that they are like the moment when their mother gave birth to them so that's essentially life again so there is another correlation there the next the next slide is about sacrifice what is this sacrifice that we're referring to 
Hazrat Abdullah bin Abbas narrates that Rasulullah said, Good deeds are more beloved to Allah during the 10 days of Zulhijjah than during any other time. Surprised, the Sahaba asked, O Rasulullah, are the deeds of these days even better than jihad during any other time? Rasulullah replied, Yes, they are even better than jihad, unless a person goes out in jihad and sacrifices his life and wealth against the enemy without returning with anything. And this is narrated in Bukhari. A comment here is that from the above, one can gauge the great virtues of these ten days. Even the smallest of good actions become more virtuous than even jihad in the path of Allah at other times. Hence, we can imagine what great rewards one would get for striving in the path of Allah in these very days. So for us as Muslims, we need to keep in mind that there's sacrifices that are required in everything in terms of our deen. There's sacrifices when we're waking up for Fajr. The cold water in the winter that's going to be coming up. You'll see how difficult it is. Many of us, we fall short. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. But the night time, we're worried about not getting um, dinner early. Or whatever excuses that there may be. But there's sacrifices required to make ibadah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And here in this situation of Zulhijjah, the main thing that's being looked at for all of us, that we need to engage in a lot more ibadah and good deeds. And we're going to talk about what good deeds we can, we can kind of engage in to re- really utilize these days. As the hadith are going to mention now. The hadith, the 10 days of Zulhijjah, this is opportunity to make ourselves better. So Hadad Abu Hurairah narrated that the Prophet said, On no days is the worship of Allah desired more than in the first ten days of Zulhijjah. The fast of each of these days is equal to the fast of a whole year, and the worship of each, each of these nights is equal to the worship of Laylatul Qadr. This is something to really draw attention to, because for, for us, knowing that the nature of Ramadan and how intense it is. When, when we can just imagine that Laylatul Qadr, either 21st, 23rd, 25th, 27th, or 29th, how engaged are we in, in ibadah at that time? We put our entire attention and our focus that maybe tonight is Laylatul Qadr. But here in this hadith as mentioned from, the, from Rasulullah directly, to us is saying that in Zulhijjah, these ten nights, that the, the worship in these ten nights is equivalent to that of Laylatul Qadr. How can we be those who do not take advantage of this type of situation? So now that we know this hadith, we should have the niyyah, we should have that intention that I want to be that person who takes this reward and who's, who's able to take full benefit of these words of Rasulullah So for any hadith that we hear, we should always feel in our hearts that I want to act upon it at least once in our life so that I can say Alhamdulillah I fulfilled uh, some level of the sunnah so that's, that's a fervor and the desire, that burning desire that we should have inside of us Ibn Hajar has mentioned in his book Fatul Bari the reason for the excellence of the first 10 days of Zulhijjah is that the Muslim can perform in them the main kinds of worship which are prayer fasting, charity, and hajj, while he can gather all these kinds of worship in the other days of the year. So this is very phenomenal, and it shows um, how the mind, mind was working of Ibn Hajar rahimahullah, that he was thinking very outside the box, that all of these actions which we consider the five, essentially the four pillars of Islam here, that they all are being done within these ten days. And so for us, we should take full advantage of, look at number three where it says charity. Charity is very important because it will show a level of selflessness. For the hujjaj, when they're, in a way when you're going to hajj, you're giving up money, you're giving a portion of yourself. All that hard earned uh, you know, money that you sacrifice hours and hours, 7,000, some packages now 9,000. So, all, maybe that's for some four or five months, maybe even a year's salary for some people. 
So for them, that's a big and, and a huge sacrifice. For us here to imitate the Hujjaj, we have an opportunity as well. We should try to give as much charity as we can. Because that is something that will also be on the scales on Yom Al-Qiyamah. And we shouldn't consider it something light. Here, the last point, the Prophet ﷺ said, There are no days on which good deeds are greater or more beloved to Allah than on these ten days. So recite much tahleel, which is saying La ilaha illallah, and takbir, which is saying Allahu Akbar, and tahmeed, which is saying Alhamdulillah. So we should be busy in our, in our tongues, occupied in the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all times. What happens is, you know, maybe there's some really interesting news going on, and there's some sports uh, events going on for some. So when we see these, we begin, our brains and our minds just get occupied. So what has occupied us recently on news, maybe the Olympics for some people, maybe some the presidential elections. So these types of things, they keep us busy. But for the believers, especially in these beautiful and precious moments that we have, that we don't know if we're going to get another chance like this, another Zulhijjah, what do we do? We use it to our optimum ability and our, uh, you know, our full thought and our brain, our brainstorming, thinking about how we can really utilize this. So one thing we can do is we can try to make a, uh, a schedule. We can make a schedule with our family, our parents, our, our, our siblings, because it's not only about me, me, me. We should also worry about our brothers and sisters. So when we go back home, what should we do? We should convey to them uh, the message of how important Dhul Hijjah is and how serious it is in, in, in the deen. Because what happens, we just pass these 10 days and we don't know how much, how much wordings have been said by Rasulullah in regards to this topic. So that's something now for us, maybe, mashallah, some of us have that knowledge. But again, we're, we're having that dhikr, that reminder for each other that now, look, now that we're here, alhamdulillah, now we're being reminded again of how to uh, look at these 10 days with such grandeur and, and amazement and try to fulfill its, its rights that are upon us now. How do you utilize these days? Ibn Taymiyyah rahmatullah said that these first 10 days are the best 10 days, according to him. Imam al-Nawi rahmatullah he recommended to fast the 10 days as he said, fasting these days is highly recommended. So that's one point that we are going to get at in a moment as there is a hadith uh, that is very important to focus on on this topic. After that, Umm Salama radiallahu anha said, the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, when any one of you cites the moon of Zulhijjah and any one of you intends to make sacrifice, the qurbani, then let him not touch his hair and his nails, i.e. let him refrain from cutting his hair and his nails, as is uh, reported in Muslim. So how else can we utilize these days? So we know on the plains of Arafah, there's this feeling of doing istighfar and constantly being in dua, literally for hours and hours and hours, endlessly the arms being raised, because that's the main focus. The main focus is that Allah accepts our tawbah. For us here, for us who do not, may, may not have the means to go or have gone already, still we have a chance to imitate that again. We have a chance to resemble those who are the hujjaj. And that's very important because we do, we do not want to feel that we are left out. And so what happens at times is that people say, oh, you know, these days are only for the hujjaj. That's not a right mentality to have. The mentality that we should have is that these days also involve me. Involve me, my family, my relatives, the whole Muslim ummah in general. So that's something that we're trying to bring uh, to our attention here at the, in, in this seminar. So after that is mentioned staying away from all acts of disobedience. That's something that we do alhamdulillah on a regular basis. And, but we should be very cautious. We should be alert that at any moment, just like we're going to see coming up very soon, that shaitan, he doesn't let up on any believers. When it's time to get angry, when it's time to raise the voice, then what does shaitan do? He says, you have the right. It's your haqq. But now we should reflect, we should think back that, okay, the same way to our father Ibrahim alayhi salam, shaitan deceived, or was trying to deceive him, 
But what did he do? He threw pebbles at him. We may not have the physical pebbles in front of us, but we have the words of ta'awuz that we should turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from the evils of shaitan. Reading the surahs that are yeah, mentioned in the Quran, reading the four quls, Qul These are some things that here at this moment, what are we, what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be reflecting on the moments of our history and our legacy in Islam. What did Ibrahim salam go through? What did Hajar salam go through? What did Ismail salam go through? All of these struggles should be back and reminiscent in our minds in, in order so that we can make serious changes in our lives. After that is mentioned that offering salah in congregation. This is something very important that when we are looking at these days, in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we know that um, Ramadan, the value of a good deed is worth 10 times, even 70 times as mentioned in some uh, riwayat, and even more than that. So here we know that these days that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is taking oath on wal-fajr, and these walayal in ashr. How are these 10 days? If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we know that the system and pattern of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to take oath on things that are very serious and very um, magnanimous, then what do we do? We look at it the same way, that we cannot let it go through our fingertips with, uh, with ease. After that, it's mentioned performing hajj and umrah. For those who, ha- who have gone and who will be going, this, uh, this amal, this action, this amal is a very high amal and it carries a lot of reward with it. After that, and finally, doing more good deeds such as dhikr, takbir, fasting, and udhiyah and the uh, Eid prayer that we are going to mention now. So, ninth of Zul Hijjah. So this day is known as Yom Arafah because the Hujjaj, the people who are the pilgrims going to uh, perform their Hajj, they are at the plains of Arafah. And to fast on this day, we see the hadith that is narrated from Abu Qatada radiallahu anhu. He reported that Rasulullah sallallahu said, I have hope in Allah ta'ala that the fast of Arafah will be an atonement for the sins of the past year and the forthcoming year. So I'll read to you the uh, Arabic so that we can kind of get a better sense. Because the English really doesn't do full justice. قَالَ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ صِيَامُ يَوْمَ عَرَفَةَ أَحْتَسِبُ عَلَى اللَّهِ أَنْ يُكَفِّرَ السَّنَةَ الَّتِي قَبْلَهُ وَالسَّنَةَ الَّتِي بَعْدَهُ That the fasting of Yom Arafah, أَحْتَسِبُ عَلَى اللَّهِ is considered or, or weighed on, uh, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that يُكَفِّرُ السَّنَةَ الَّتِي قَبْلَهُ وَالسَّنَةَ الَّتِي بَعْدَهُ it's an atonement for the sins of the past year and the forthcoming year. Here we see the word yukaffir. And so in the hadith, the word kaf, uh, kafara, you know, it means literally to be ungrateful. But atonement, um, expiation, is that somebody, he did some action that was ungrateful, therefore he has to make expiation for it. Understand? So in, in, the, in the Sharia, in the deen, when someone he does something that is out of line and showing sound, signs of ungratefulness, then he will have to give expiation for that. So here, what is that? We, are commi- we commit sins. We, we, we are humans. And that the nature of the human beings is that we get involved in sin. So after Ramadan, we see that how high of a level of iman that the person he ends up with at the end of Ramadan is a very high level. But then ultimately through the, through the days after Shawwal and then into Zul Qaeda, the Iman it gets a little bit weaker, the spirits come, get, get low. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He gives us opportunities after opportunities after opportunities. We see that in the, in the six days of Zul, uh, Shawwal, that if you fast, it's equal to one year. As we are going to see in the, uh, in the last point here, uh, the connection. But specifically for us, we saw that there was a high level of iman that was leaving Ramadan, when we were leaving Ramadan. And then gradually what happened? Then, you know, oh, I want to watch a YouTube video. Or I want to, you know, uh, go out with my friends and eat, um, you know, enormously uh, lots of food. And then we become extravagant. Extravagant in spending, extravagant in, you know, doing things that aren't beneficial for us ultimately. But what happens? 
that also affects our iman and our spirits. So in response to that, we have these opportunities that we are sitting in now, this Zulhijjah. And so in these days of Zulhijjah, we should take we should take that opportunity to fast. We, for instance, if I cannot fast these nine days, then at least minimum one day or alternative days, something that's within my capacity. Because what happens is, it's easier to fast when it's a collective um, action, as we had seen in Ramadan. But it becomes a little bit difficult when we don't see everyone fasting. But we have to motivate and encourage ourselves that we need to do more amal so that this helps us ultimately. Because on Yom Al-Qiyamah we can't say to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you didn't give us chance after chance after chance. But on Yom Al-Qiyamah it's only going to be our life, the span of our life and the days that were there. And it's our, it's our responsibility for each and every one of us to go and take that sacrifice uh, to make that sacrifice and go the, ex, uh, go the extra mile and, and do these a'mal inshallah. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make it easy for us and our families. After that Rasulullah said, Fasting the day of Arafah expiates the sins of two years, a past one and, a, and the coming one. And fasting the day of Ashura, the tenth of the lunar month of Muharram, expiates the sins of the past year, as reported by Muslim. And finally, the Messenger said, One fast during these days is equal to the fasting of one complete year, and the worship of one night during this period is equal to the worship of Laylatul Qadr. This is important because when we're looking at it in comparison to the month of Shawwal, we find that over there in the hadith is mentioned that six days of fasting of Shawwal is equal to the one year. right? So here we find specifically that one day of fasting in Dhul Hijjah is equal to one year. How can we be you know, not taking that opportunity and, uh, and um, gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us? After this, something very important and a lot of time will be given to this. Um, and I would like that we all kind of look at uh, this in uh, retrospect and try to really take in this story as best as we can. There's a lot of information here kind of cluttered together and I apologize about that. But maybe it may be easier for some, I feel, that they can read it uh, alongside. So the story of Ibrahim and Ismail Hadrat Ibrahim often visited his wife who was Hajar and child who was Ismail in Mecca. It once occurred that Hadrat Ibrahim saw himself in a dream slaughtering his son Hadrat Ismail The dreams of the Anbiya are always true and denote a command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He therefore addressed his son stating, O my son, verily I have seen in a dream that I am slaughtering you, so consider your opinion. Without hesitating, Hadr Ismail said, O my beloved father, do as you have been commanded. If Allah wills, you will soon find me to be among the patient ones. Subsequently, father and son proceeded to a place called Mina, which is about three miles from Mecca. When they reached Mina, Shaitan attempted to, attempted to mislead Hadar Ismail salam. When Hadar Ibrahim noticed this, he exclaimed, Allahu Akbar, and pelted Shaitan using seven pebbles. This caused Shaitan to sink into the ground, and the father and son proceeded further. When the ground released Shaitan, he again attempted the same ploy. For the second time, Hadar Ibrahim salam pelted him, causing him to sink into the ground. When he again emerged from the ground, Shaitan made a third attempt, but Hadrat Ibrahim dismissed him with another seven pebbles while exclaiming, Allahu Akbar. Eventually they reached the place of sacrifice. Allah says, So when the two submitted and Ibrahim turned his son on his side, we called to him saying, O Ibrahim, you have certainly brought the dream to a realization, thus do we reward those who do good deeds. Allah further stated, this is definitely a decisive test, and we compensated him with a grand sacrifice. When Hadrat Ibrahim tried to slaughter his son, the knife would not cut. It is commonly believed that Allah covered Hadrat Ismail's throat with copper so that the knife could not cut it, or that the knife simply became brittle. Hadrat Abdullah bin Abbas reports that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala replaced Hadrat Ismail with a ram from Jannah. Another narration stated that Hadrat Jibra'il brought the ram which Hadrat Ibrahim slaughtered instead. 
And this is all mentioned in a book of Tafsir uh, uh, titled Anwar al-Bayan. You can find it there. But what are some points that are very, very important to take from this? Number one is the sacrifice of Ibrahim salam, And we should try to think that when we are going to make our qurbani, we should have a sense of mushabaha or sim- uh, similarity. That when we are putting that animal down, and for those who have children and sons, feeling that worry and that pain and that agony, that my son is going to literally die in front of my eyes and I am the one causing him that pain. So having this type of psychological feeling will, will kind of put us in perspective of how Ibrahim salam was feeling at that moment. And so this situation that the hujjaj are in when they are going and doing on Yom Al-Nahar on the 10th uh, day which is Yom Al-Eid as well for us then that time as well as we know when Rasulullah sacrificed in Medina Rasulullah sacrificed um, every single year of his time every single year of his time in Medina but that sacrifice was as, as we are going to see was resemblant of the sacrifice of Ibrahim salam. And that's why we, we follow it without question. So one thing that people, people do, and this is a, some, a serious issue that we're facing, is that people make logical deductions based on what they think is right. And they say, oh, you know, instead, why can't I give the equivalent of wealth in sadaqah instead of slaughtering? The main reason why we can't do that is because the scholars are all unanimously saying this is something called an amr ta'abudi which is essentially something that cannot be made uh, cannot have any type of logic placed on it when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to do something we have to do it without question and similarly in this case when we're looking at all of the actions and rituals of deen when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to pray we cannot compensate it by doing psalm or vice versa we cannot say oh you know it's time for fast instead of fasting I'm going to start praying so we cannot use our logic when it comes to the orders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we have to do it and there's no questions there so now moving on to the actual Yom al-Nahar the day the Eid day and also as well as the post Eid the 10th of Dhul-Hijjah till the 13th is what we are going to consider as the Ayyam uh, al-Nahar is the 10th and then from 11, 12 and 13 we are going to see their name is Ayyam al-Tashriq so Ibrahim salam looked towards the sky and realized that a substitute had been, has been sent he pronounced La ilaha illallah wallahu akbar Ismail salam overheard Ibrahim salam glorifying Allah Consequently, he rose up to eulogize and thank Allah Ta'ala to saying, Allahu Akbar, walillahil hamd. So this is where it comes from. So many of us, you know, we'll go our whole lives and we'll hear it. But there's significant to how it was, where it came from and where its origination was from. So from the Fajr of Arafah day up to the Asr or the, uh, of the last days of Tashriq, 13th of Zulhijjah, this is a time when we are going to be repeating this, these sayings as we're going to see in this, in this slide. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and remember Allah in the appointed days. It, it is to say, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar, walillahi alhamd. Allah is the greatest, Allah is the greatest, there is no God but Allah. Allah is the greatest and to Allah belongs all praise. Men are to say it aloud in the masajid, homes, etc., and at the end of each fard prayer as a declaration of the greatness of Allah, acknowledging His worship only and showing gratitude to Him. Men should recite these phrases out loud and women should recite them quietly. After every fard salah from the ninth fajr to the 13th asr, five days in total. So 23 prayers is mentioned here because you are not including the, uh, Maghrib, uh, the Maghrib and the Isha of the final day Okay So we move on to the next slide I'll give a few moments for the brothers who are writing To, to finish off writing here But just some comments uh, In regards to how the Eid Salah would be performed 
some of us, we like to have a refresher. And I feel like this may be a good moment in our discussion to talk about how the uh, Eid prayer is done. Because it's not done so often, it's not something commonly done every single day. So we, we tend to forget the, uh, the method of the Eid Salah. So number one, the easiest way to remember this is that there are two rak'ah, two units of the salah, right? Two units meaning one rak'ah that is completed from, you know, when you're taking your takbir and then you're going down to sujood and coming up for the second rak'ah and then ending the salah with salam. So two, uh, two units of this, of this prayer. After that, we have to keep in mind that there's something it's very simple, six additional takbirat. So takbir means Allahu Akbar. So aside from t- saying the takbir al-tahrima, uh, when we're beginning the prayer, when we sing Allahu Akbar, now there will be an additional three rak'ah, uh, three takbir in the first rak'ah, and then three takbir in the last rak'ah, which is the second rak'ah, right? So that will add up to a total of six. But the question is, when will these three and three uh, be done? So immediately before, uh, after we read Sana Subhanakallahumma, then we raise our hands and we say Allahu Akbar and we drop it once. So that's one. And then we say Allahu Akbar again, second time, and then we drop. And then a third time we say Allahu Akbar and we drop. And then we fold. Okay, and that's done with the three. And then we go with the Surah Fatiha and then as well as the Surah and then we go into our Ruku. After that, coming up from uh, our second, uh, to, for our second rak'ah, then what do we do? We do uh, our surah, and then we engage in a, uh, we, we read surah fatiha and a surah, and then finally we end the second rak'ah with three takbirs. So when we say Allahu Akbar, once, Allahu Akbar a second time, Allahu Akbar a third time, and then the fourth takbir, which is Allahu Akbar, is the one that's going into ruku. Okay? So some people they get confused that how can four be all together there? No, just keep in mind that there's three additional and three additional. Simple? So inshallah, um, if we need to go over that again, we'll go over that towards the end. Okay. The qurbani or uh, the sacrifice in other words. Hadrat Aisha radiallahu anha narrated Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, During the ten days of Zulhijjah, there is no action more beloved by Allah Ta'ala than the bloodshed for, from Qurbani. On the day of Qiyamah, those who made Qurbani will, be, will come forward with the hair, horns and hooves of this animal. The blood of the Qurbani is honorably accepted by Allah before it reaches the ground. Therefore, make Qurbani with a happy heart, as is narrated in Tirmidhi. So another word for Qurbani or uh, Zibah is uh, the word Udhiyah. And that, that is the same word that is mentioned for the title of this day, which is Eid al-Adha, which literally is the spilling of the blood or, or dripping or dropping. And why? Udhiyah refers to the animal, camel, cattle, uh, goat or sheep offered as a sacrifice. It is an act of worship dedicated solely to gain Allah's pleasure. So this is a very important point to mention here. Many of us think what happens is we see a scenario where a person, he does udhiyah uh, so that he can get, his, get food. His main intention is that, oh, I'm, I'm slaughtering and then I'm going to you know, be able to fill my stomach. This is dangerous because we should feel that we want to give all of that in sadaqah, even though we're going to come uh, to, the, to the main point of uh, how the um, you know, division of the meat will happen. But mainly we should feel that it's not for me, but I'm sacrificing this for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala completely. And that's a feeling that we should engage in. As well as there's other etiquettes and adab that are um, going to be mentioned in regards to the udhiyah. Number one is that we should choose the best animal. We should not be, um, we should not be cheap in this, in this manner. We should look for that animal that is the healthiest. And as well as, even if it's a little bit pricey, doesn't matter because you know that this animal is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the scholars are saying that if an animal is more pricey and uh, another animal is less pricey but it is of a better quality, then you should sacrifice that animal that is of a better quality. Secondly, um, this animal, the animal should not be slaughtered before the Eid prayer. 
that's something that I'm sure many people will have some additional questions that may result from this comment. After that, there's a mention that the skin should be given as sadaqah or sold and money given as charity. And one thing that is common in this society uh, from organizations such as PETA, uh, which are about animal rights, there is a focus here in this culture about the uh, uh, cruelty against animals. But Islam, it holds the standards above even that. That's something that we should try to keep in mind that when we are um, slaughtering the animal itself, we shouldn't feel that you know, it's just some other creation and, and you can act as uh, however we want to with it. No, but we should be very nice to it. We should you know, feel compassion and worry for it. Because it's, it's like that situation where I was mentioning that we should have that mushabaha, that, that resemblance that we are sacrificing our son. Are we going to throw the son down and then immediately, you know, just, you know, beat him up and then slaughter him? No. You know, it's going to, so how are we going to treat this animal? We should treat it with kindness. And we should even, in some instances, if you need to feed, drink, uh, give it water. But... Just the main idea here is to treat that animal very kindly. Udhiya is a confirmed sunnah or sunnah mu'akkada, emphasized sunnah, according to the majority of scholars, while many other scholars hold the opinion that udhiya is wajib. Rasulullah sacrificed an animal every year. He was in Medina, as we mentioned. And lastly, whoever can afford to offer a sacrifice but does not do so, let him approach our. Uh, let him not approach our pl- prayer of uh, place of prayer. This is a hadith of Rasulullah as mentioned in Ahmad ibn Majah and other books of hadith that is is a very serious matter. We should not, um, you know, delay or even not do at all the uh, the sacrifice, the qurbani. We should make it very clear that we need to perform this qurbani. And so, what happens at times for those who do it overseas? There is a shak, there is a doubt that did my animal get slaughtered or not. What is a way or method to remove that doubt? Is to do it ourselves. Even though it may be a little bit more expensive, whatever the situation is. But then that doubt is removed. That I know for sure, I saw it with my eyes that the qurbani was done. Then it makes it easier for us and at the same time, then we don't have, uh, you know, we don't have that feeling of doubt inside of us. Okay. I'll, I'll continue on with, the, uh, keep this slide up and then I'll, I'll just mention about the meat, how the meat should be divided. So the meat should be divided ideally into three parts. One third should be for you your, your, and your family, uh, your immediate family. And then one third should be for your relatives, uh, your non-immediate family. And the other one third for, should be for the poor and the needy in, in terms of giving it in sadaqah. And one very important point is that it is haram it is prohibited to sell the qurbani meat. So we shouldn't be making money off or profit off of this as well as the skin. So I mentioned those points because they may, uh, you know, maybe somebody may say, oh, you know, maybe I can take some monetary benefit from this meat. Uh, we should completely keep, the, uh, keep uh, you know, the understanding that it is prohibited. Okay, so as we are carrying on, inshallah we'll try to uh, wrap it up very soon and then maybe if we have time for the question and answers because uh, Aisha is at uh, 9 o'clock. So if not, for those of us not going for Hajj, um, majority of the people have already left, if not all, but not going for Hajj, you still have a chance to strive. And that's something that is a common theme of this, this seminar, this session. And even our whole, our entire lives is this theme of striving. Be it striving in, you know, the business world, in, you know, non-Islamic method of striving, as well as obviously all our whole life is Islamic, meaning our work is for Allah, our, our uh, studying is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our family life is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for all of these situations, it's a striving. So every moment of our life, we are striving. And so we shouldn't forget that, especially in these 10 days, that, are, that we are engaged in now, that we should not forget that these moments are for striving. 
The Prophet ﷺ instructed those of his followers who could not reach the blessed places to imitate the pilgrims by not cutting the hair and clipping the nails so that the mercy of Allah can enshroud them too, together with the pilgrims. So the first thing that is mentioned is that we should pray. We should read, obviously this is something that is mentioned already and focusing on the fact that we should pray in congregation. Number two is read the Qur'an more abundantly. Make a, make a, we should make a goal at least three, par, uh, three jizah of the Qur'an every day for these ten days. And Allah, uh, remember Allah through supplication, through dua. Increasing in dua as much as possible and giving charity. For charity pushes away the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We should also for us, um, for those who have their parents here, honor your parents and uphold ties of kinship. For those whose parents have passed away, one uh, recommendation is that there should be a nafil uh, qurbani done for them because that would be a sadaqa jariya for them. Something that would be a, a blessing and a benefit for them while they are in their graves and they will be getting reward for those who, whose parents have passed away. And then also enjoin what is good and forbid what is evil. This is something that is uh, a common thing for us in our day-to-day life that we should be doing this all the time. But even more in these 10 days. When we see something wrong, we should try and remind each other that, oh brother or oh sister, this thing is not correct in the deen and we should try our best to refrain from that and change our ways. And this is how? Sincere repentance. This is the method. One of the most important things to do during these 10 days is to repent sincerely to Allah and to give up all kinds of disobedience and sin. So just, we should think, we should, uh, you know, brainstorm of what, have, what am I doing bad? Because, you know, it is a possibility that there may be something wrong that I am doing. So maybe I'm talking back to my parents. Maybe uh, I'm making my salah delayed. Instead, I should make it a bit more earlier. Maybe I'm, you know, talking bad language. Whatever the situation may be. Maybe I'm involved in very bad monetary, uh, you know, uh, dealings. So what should I do in that situation? Make serious niyyah and intention to change those ways. So these things, because what is, what is the Yom Arafah? The Yom Arafah is symbolizing and is, the significance is the changing of the life. That we want, we want to change our lives and our ways and our habits so that we can come into a realm and into an avenue of our life, a pathway that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now forever pleased with us. And that's the goal of our life, that we die in the rida of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the uh, you know, pleasure, in the happiness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's our goal. And uh, number two here, if a Muslim commits a sin, he must hasten to repent without delay, because he does not know when he will die, and because one evil deed leads to another. It's a very important point. Evil deeds breed evil deeds. Like uh, fire, it breeds fire. And so we should really uh, try to protect our eyes, protect our limbs, protect our heart. One of the things that uh, was mentioned in the seerah that we were doing on, on, on weekend seminar is the dua of Ibrahim salam. The question is why was that dua, which I'll refer to in a second, why was that dua accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Shaykh Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi comments and he says that one of the things was his pure heart. The dua was accepted because of his pure heart. And that dua is seen even today, um, the, the fruition of that dua. So that's one thing we should try to uh, keep in mind. That we, we question, why isn't my dua not accepted? And a, a serious reason could be that I'm not having a pure heart. Maybe I have serious ill feelings about all these people, relatives, you know, friends, uh, somebody I had some type of partnership with. All of these things, we should leave them behind. We should forgive them as soon as possible and, and turn our hearts in a, in a way we're trying to purify it inshallah ta'ala next turn to Allah and forgo all deeds open and secret that he dislikes by showing regret for having sinned and give up the sin immediately by vowing never to return to it and lastly stick firmly to the truth by doing only what Allah loves Just few comments on the Hajj because we are on the slide of Hajj. What is the Hajj itself? The Hajj, when we're looking at it, is the greatest communal activity, right? That's one thing. Number two is that it is a sign, it's an alama. 
As we see in this ayah, that when whoever he makes azma, uh, he, he uh, makes uh, greater in his eyes the symbols of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is from the taqwa of the hearts. You know, this is from piety, this is from fearing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And hajj, it, is, it has rights involved in them, as we're going to see on the last slide briefly. Because the topic is not in regards to Hajj per se, but this is a very important focal point in regards to these uh, days of Zilhijjah. But Hajj, in, in, in short, is to commemorate and celebrate the sacrifices that are made by Ibrahim salam and his family. And Allah has made it a fundamental pillar of our deen. And anyone who is capable should go to Hajj the first chance they get. For those who have not, we should make niyyah. That next year, or as soon as possible, when, I, when I'm capable, when I have that istita, that ability, that I will inshallah go for the hajj as soon as possible. And lastly, in regards to this hajj, um, one really important point is that the culmination of the life of Rasulullah is the liberation of the Kaaba, that only one God can be worshipped. By removing all the idols around it, that was the, the sign of the liberation of the Kaaba. So we find that when Rasulullah is coming back into Mecca and the honor is being given back to the Kaaba, that only one, one Allah is being worshipped. This, this uh, end of Rasulullah is a very important sign um, in regards to the relationship with the Kaaba. And so when Muslims go to Hajj every year, they are reliving the victory and the fulfillment of the miracle and the mission of Rasulullah And so this is the last slide that uh, we are going to end off with. Um, obviously, it uh, mentions about questions and answers. Um, before that, there's a free, uh, few brief notes that we want to mention. So, for the first 10 days of Zulhijjah, and, or any month in general, we find that the, the biggest uh, impact or the change in the moon is in the first 10 days, and the, uh, or first 10 nights, as well as the last 10 nights. And so, the first 10 nights, um, before that, the last 10 nights, in, for instance, Ramadan, the last 10 nights, they, they signify... Um, the, the, the significance of it is that it revolves around the beginning of revelation of the Qur'an and the beginning of the, mes- uh, the, the message of Rasulullah the mission of Rasulullah That is what Ramadan symbolized. And then these, this Hajj, these, these uh, first ten di- uh, nights or the first ten days of Zulhijjah, it shows the conclusive victory of the Messenger وسلم, over the rebellious people of Mecca and uh, how Mecca was conquered at Al-Hajj. Um, and the, the greatest sign of the Day of Judgment is the coming of Rasulullah ultimately. So what, what this, uh, these 10 days do, it's, it's alluding to the end of the mission of Rasulullah That's one point. And secondly, just bringing our attention back to... Um, to the, the concept of um, this sacrifice. This sacrifice to end off because this is the main point of the whole, whole talk. So if someone came late, as long as you hear these words, inshallah, you know, we can take some benefit going home. Every year we rejuvenate the spirit uh, and the whole entire ummah rejuvenates the spirit of iman inside them. And that is that divine congregation of the hajj. And so when we go as an ummah there to hajj, we are reminded of the entire seerah and the life of Rasulullah along with the entire seerah of Ibrahim salam, along with the promise that we made with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we will carry this mission, carry this Islam to the rest of humanity. So that's one of the biggest messages that we gain from this uh, you know, this sacrifice and this struggle um, of uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam. What? What do I mean by that? Is that 
if you look at sacrifices in general, we look for a serious level of result afterwards. And then one of the greatest signs of that uh, sacrifice becoming, uh, you know, fulfilled or becoming valid is that it carries on for generation after generation after generation. So that same, those same sacrifices, though we cannot make them at the Hajj, but this whole concept of um, making sacrifices while we are here, so we can imitate the hujjaj, as mentioned in the hadith of Rasulullah giving us opportunity after opportunity. What is this that we gain we, from that sacrifice, that we, we, live a, uh, we stand a testament for the future of the ummah, that these people, when they came in 21st century, they were those who had that vision of sacrifice, that same vision that Rasulullah had, and ultimately Ibrahim had. And so this is important because those religions that associate themselves with Ibrahim and take pride to be uh, of the Abrahamic religions, they lost that, those sacrifices. And so ultimately they weren't the ones to carry on the legacy of Prophet Muhammad and the legacy of the uh, monotheism. But similarly we, we make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us, that we, we are not those who fall short of carrying on the legacy of uh, Rasulullah and Ibrahim may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. And in conclusion, that sacrifice, that embodiment of sacrifice, that model that people Today, still today, they, they want to associate themselves with Ibrahim salam. We see that very common, uh, very resemblant in, the, um, uh, in, resemblant in Rasulullah sallam. So now, when we look at Rasulullah sallam, we want to implement every single type of sunnah that we, we find that Rasulullah he did a certain action or he refrained us from something. Immediately our attention in our heart and in our mind should be like glue, like, like very hard sticky glue. That now I'm going to try to remember this for the rest of my life. And I'm going to try to make a concerted effort to change myself and to follow the sunnah of Rasulullah May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make that easy for us to do in our lives. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept all of the uh, brothers and sisters who are sitting here today and the whole Muslim Ummah and accept the Tawbah and make a Hajj Mabrur for all those Hajjaj who have gone to perform the rites of Hajj. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us, forgive us for all of the sins that we have committed. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us on the straight path and accept us to do A'mal in these, these last 10 days, uh, these, 10, these 10 days of Zul-Hijjah. Like I mentioned at the beginning, that uh, the, the saying of Imam Ghazali that knowledge is nothing un- until it is actually implemented so that's something we should keep in mind we can sit at all these seminars we can you know, you know go uh, listen to YouTube videos but if that's not changing us then what is that knowledge? So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us that beneficial knowledge and allow us to change our lives and to really deeply reflect. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow these 10 days to be a means that we change our lives in, in that so we gain the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa akhir da'wana alameen. If there's any questions, uh, we're free to take the questions in regards to any type of rulings for qurbani, uh, you know, any type of rights that need to be done uh, for the slaughtering. Yes, question. Right, so... Okay, is, is that a question or a comment? I didn't... Uh, okay, so in terms of uh, referring uh, to what I had said, essentially when we're looking at, you know, in simple terms, performing the qurbani is something that we should do. Um, whether it's difficult, we should go out of our way and perform it to the best of our abilities. Now when we're talking about the hujjaj, it is extremely difficult. That's a different case. What I was referring to is specifically the fact that we're here. Taking our, uh, you know, our intellect, our intelligence and our faculties of going, even if it's to drive. What, uh, for those who are elderly and who have uh, you know, difficult circumstances, obviously there's exclusion for them in the sharia and the deen. As you know, we can talk about that. But the main thing is, if we have the ability and the capacity to go and perform the qurbani, we should go and do it. There's no question about it. We're not trying to avoid it. That's the main thing. We should try to perform the qurbani.
That's what we're trying to get at. Any other additional question? Yes. Okay. So, um, Can, okay, so the question is, um, for the age of the animal, can the Gregorian uh, calendar be used for the age of the animal? Um, I mean, when, when we're considering age, um, even like if we're talking about dogs, dogs have different uh, age, but when we're talking about for these animals, I'm actually not sure if, uh, usually we're going by the lunar calendar, in, sim in simple terms, but Gregorian calendar, I don't know. Sheikh Hamza? Oh, right, but by, by the teeth. Right. Right, so, so it's indicate, indicated by the teeth. Right. So basically, when we're looking uh, for the animal, we should look at if it has teeth or not. Based on that, then we'll... The, the four teeth. Yeah. So according to this, there's two opinions. Um, so some scholars are of the opinion that you, you, you can completely do it, it's fine. But others are of the opinion that you can. So based on the mufti uh, of our area or locality, whoever we're following, then you should try to follow that opinion in simple words. Yes, question. Oh yes, I'm sorry, I'll uh, re uh, rephrase the question or, or mention the question that um, if somebody wants to perform uh, or can't perform the Qurbani here and then he decides to do it overseas in a third world country. Now the simple answer to that is that there is a difference of opinion from the scholars in this regards, two specific opinions. That yes, some scholars say that you can do it um, and there's reasoning behind that and some say that you, you, uh, you, can, uh, you can do it. Next question. Right, um, so the question is, does the Qurbani have to be performed on every uh, child of the household uh, or the fa every family member? And the a simple answer to that is no, because the requirement for slaughtering is that you have to reach the nisab, meaning the, um, the value to pay the zakat. So, for instance, uh, this brings up a, just another uh, you know, comment that if a person, he uh, reaches nisab even from on the 9th, 11th, or, or 10th, 11th, or 12th, he must uh, do the qurbani. So for the, for the child, he doesn't have to do until he becomes balil. So he's not somebody who's going to be considered as having to have the qurbani. Uh, for, okay, so that's cons okay, so the question was in regards to sacrificing on behalf of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, this would be considered a nafil qurbani. Okay. Yeah, so right. So if a person he is balil, then that person and he, and he has the nisab, then he has to perform the qurbani. Yes, yes. So, the, so are you talking about the fourth fast of Ramadan? So. So any fast missed in Ramadan, then you have to make uh, the fasting of the two months. To, uh, the, uh, yeah, the two months, right? Sheikh Hamza, for any one fast missed in uh, Ramadan. The, the, the question is this, that if a fast was uh, missed uh, in Ramadan, can there be a uh, uh, makeup of it in these, within these ten days? No, so no, you, you can't. You cannot make it up within these uh, 10 days. Right. So you can make it up within these nine days, but it will be a niya of, of make, making up. Is that what you're saying? Okay. I, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't come across this question before. Again, I'm not a mufti. Um, I just studied... Uh, mm -hmm.
So inshallah, we'll, we'll close with that inshallah and uh, you know, we ask forgiveness for anything that was said, uh, you know, um, that hurt anybody or was mistakenly said and uh, we ask forgiveness for that and, we, and lastly uh, we close with uh, making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He forgives all of our sins.